Hey, this is John just popping into the podcast right here at the beginning for a second to let you know that this Sunday we are going to be watching the Buffy musical live on YouTube Live, which means that what you're going to do is you're going to get your own copy of the Buffy musical, a DVD, a streaming copy, and you're going to sync it up with us and you're going to watch it with us so that you can make your clever comments in the chats. We're going to make our clever comments while we're watching. You can sing along. We might sing along. We probably won't, but maybe we will. We're going to start it this Sunday at 9.30 in the morning if you're on the West Coast of the United States, which makes it 4.30 in the afternoon for me here in the UK. And then you got to figure out what time that is for you so that you can be there and watch that with us. You can be socially distant in your apartment. We'll be socially distant in our apartment, but we'll all be socially together because we're going to be watching the Buffy musical. I'll see you there. Hello. I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends. All except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20 some odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer... The Buffy Virgin. Hey, uh, welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, we're going to be shrugging like Atlas, because it's season five, episode 21, Way to the World. Uh, I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself from least to most you can bench or lift, because it's weight. I don't know. Well, my name is John, and I can definitely lift the least, I think, out of any random assortment of four people. I've got uh, very, very weak arms. Uh, and those are my qualifications for being on this podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm Travis. I'm the, probably the next one uh, with the lowest bench uh, uh, weight, because I, I guess I didn't play football in high school. My name is Michael. I'm the virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season five, episode 14. I'm sorry, 21. Excuse me. Way of the world. And... I have a bench press in my a basement, but that doesn't mean I use it. So I probably am like, it looks like I'm threatening the world when you see that bench press. But like I, everyone should be uh, should relax. Take a deep breath. <laughs> not going to not going to use these to hurt anybody. Awesome. All right. Yeah, we are going to be discussing way to the world. But before we do that, we're going to dive into reactions for season five, episode 14, Crush. <laughs> Audience reactions. So uh, over on YouTube, uh, Silver Spike uh, says, all right, I'll grab the bait. Because uh, at this point, this is our relationship with Silver Spike. You do get Spike's a soulless vampire, don't you? Normal human rules don't apply. Spike's a villain, you quote. Here he is. And in this season, we already made it into gray area. By the end of it, the rest redacted. So what are they talking about? I don't know. Because this is spoiler free. Um... <laughs> And they go on to say, uh, quote us, it's framed as fantasy violence, which uh, that sounds like something I would say, but any of us could have said that at this point. Um, that's because it is. I hate to break it. I hate to break this to you, sweetie. But Buffy is not uh, Buffy is not a fly on the wall documentary, nor a manual on how to run one's life. It's a fantasy. Oh, um, the sweetie. The, the <laughs> and then more is redacted. Uh, 
Uh, Maybe so yeah. that's my problem. I have not been treating Buffy the Vampire Slayer as if it was a fantasy TV show, <laughs> but rather a day in the life documentary from the late 90s, early, early aughts. That'd be amazing. Boy, like as a what you do in the shadows style documentary about a vampire slayer. I'd watch that show. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I just I feel like I was very positive towards uh, the character spike this episode. So I'm, I'm a little surprised to see the anger come out again from Silver Spike because like. I really like Spike in uh, Crush. I think he's like back to his old fun self. Um, but yeah, I guess we still were too harsh on on this platinum baby. All right. Uh, Geraint, uh, or Garrett Thatcher says, uh, having Buffy just standing and staring while both Drew and Harmony just walked, by, walked away was a dumb ending in my opinion. Um, yeah, good call. Uh, they need to survive because they're characters that we care about. But... Uh, but how does Spike differ from Anya dating Xander uh, while cheerfully talking about killing people in her demon days? Uh, and that's just because I think we tend to favor Anya over Spike. Um, and I think they differ just because Anya's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think conceptually, conceptually they're different because Anya has a soul. Because she's been reborn as a human or remade into her human form. I, I think that for me conceptually what's, is what's going on. I'm not I sure if when she was a demon she had a soul. Yeah. And I think um, to me, it's also like like Anya feels so refreshing after Angel and, you know, to have like this ex-demon, but they're not they're not obsessed with atonement or anything Mm -hmm. like this would feel like an awful character, maybe if she wasn't so funny. And if like we hadn't already dealt with like we're not already dealing with so much like atonement, (laughs) it's like a nice, refreshing change. That's my interpretation. Anyway. Yeah. God, I would I would love if Anya were to go to Angel as a TV show. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Just see Anya and Angel interact. Uh, there's not enough with Anya. Like she's a great bit character. She would be great in like a web series, but you could not you couldn't give her her own television show. It'd be too much. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I that's what I I like Anya as this bit character. I don't want like you know you you make her the lead. You got to add add all the heavy stuff on her. But Spike, you could give a whole show to. I mean, this guy is so charismatic and weird and interesting. Did they try and spin off a Spike show? I'm sure they thought about it. I bet they thought about it, yeah. Um, and Sagov9 says, um, I just love these zoom and enhance bits, especially Don's diary from the previous episode. Uh, crazy how fast Don went from needing a babysitter to babysitting herself. Uh, regarding <laughs> the distance on the Sunnydale sign, are we sure there's no decimal point got lost in the enhancement process? That's an excellent point. I, de- I definitely want to go back and uh, look at those distances again with uh, a decimal point, see if that solves the problem. It's a good point. Yeah, it might, it might jump them from way too far apart to way too close together. Yeah, uh, we'll have to look at it. <laughs> we'll do the math. Um, and we got a very nice uh, smiley face emoji from Juliet Landau, uh, Drusilla. Uh, I posted a drawing of Drusilla and uh, Juliet Landau liked it and gave us a smiley face. So thank you. That that was super nice. Um, happy for that. Um, all right. Let's move on to the summary for this episode. The summary. Hi, Willow. Hi, Willow. Welcome, Welcome to, Buffy's to Buffy's Brain. brain. Death is your gift. Death is your gift. I killed, I killed my, sister. my sister. I killed, I killed Don. Don. 
Death is your gift. Then it's glory? I killed, I killed Don. Death is your gift. I killed, I killed Don. Don. Snap out of it. <laughs> Good times. Good times. All right, thank you for the summary. Uh, let's move on to Great Lines. Great Lines. And I'm going to start us off this week uh, with a little exchange between Adult Willow and Baby Buffy. We already dejaed this vu. You talk funny. Yes, as you will tell me again when you're older and in chem class. <laughs> uh. I really liked uh, one of uh, the many uh, Ben is Glory. Glory's Ben. Confusion lines was uh, Spike. <laughs> is everyone here very stoned? Ben. Glory. He's a doctor. She's the beast. Two entirely separate entities sharing one body. It's like a bloody sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> very good. M- much better when, uh, when, when James Marshall said it. I love it. When Willow um, said uh, to the first Slayer, hey, I remember you. You're the first Slayer who tried killing us in our dreams. How you been? (laughs) Oh, Willow. There's a lot of uh, great Ben and Glory nonsense here. So for whatever reason, Willow's saying, so Ben and Glory are the same person? That one made me laugh. And I don't know why. It was just like the fifth time someone (laughs) made the comment about it. And I'm like, okay, that one got me. And then there's this weird line Glory has talking to Dawn that just like, just like triggered me in some way but uh she says being human is like a costume for like girls and uh sorry being human is like a costume for girls like you and me and just like yeah, that was so freaky line. sounding yeah uh, that was a solid one i'm glad somebody used that one all right guys let's do the kill count before we jump in the kill count All right, so this week, one sword gorge that doesn't count as a kill. One imaginary murder of Don by Buffy, or is it infinite murders? I don't know. Either way, it doesn't count as anything. Uh, (laughs) One bonkus of the conchus by Don, one mind meld, and one sibling mind battle. There's a lot going on in this episode. Let's dive into it with Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings. John, what does this first comment mean? <laughs> uh, I just, I really love uh, Bamf Willow. Uh, you know, in, in uh, fan fiction, Bamf is badass motherfucker. So it's like uh, <laughs> Bamf Willow uh, taking over the team when Buffy's out for the count. Like, that's really a cool moment. And it's nice to see Willow, I don't know, being yeah. tough and taking no guff. I liked it. We get the hierarchy. When you wrote that, I was like, I don't remember her teleporting this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Giles seems to be healing incredibly well from his massive side wound. Uh, he's up and talking before he go- even goes to the doctor. Um, and I, I believe we consulted a doctor last week, and uh, I don't think that would be happening from what I understand. <laughs> and I love how he just like walks out of the walks out of the hospital bed, out of the hospital room. Like this guy is like a major headache for like the hospital staff, like paperwork wise, <laughs> billing wise prescriptions i mean this is like 
the most like this is like when it's like someone leaves a wall from the hospital and it's like oh great this is just a mess for everybody involved because we got to find them we got to make sure this and that it's like he just caused someone like an hour's worth of paperwork easy <laughs> easy <laughs> he doesn't care it's like it's he's like got the way the world it's like the non-humorous version of in twin peaks once once agent cooper's shot he's like don't worry i'll be fine it's remarkable the healing powers of the body when meditation comes into mind. And then he's like, Oh God, like <laughs> turns out you can't just recover from big, like organ chest, wounds. chest wounds, yeah. gunshot wounds through meditation. Hmm. Who would have thought this, this is all dungeons and dragons rules. Like anything can be cured with a long rest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he might be like throwing some spells on himself or something. Rip he's up. got no magical hide. He got a spear through his side. <laughs> Stupid rat brain. Stop it. Uh, I think it's um, interesting to think of human feelings like a spell. I love the scene where Glory is confused by how she's uh, he has she has everything, but is still upset because she's feeling Ben's feelings. And this episode, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the human feelings because this comes up as part of um, the weight of the world. But the Glory's confusion in this uh, this scene where she's kind of just screaming at minions and dawn and stuff is great i i really like this scene and i like the way that she doesn't even know the word to describe her feeling she doesn't even know the word guilt yeah (laughs) what a great world to be a god and not even know the word guilt well it's 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 interesting because it's reminiscent of anya's completely non-understanding of her own kind of experiences and feelings oh this is love or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's interesting like you would think that glory is a complete mess emotionally from the way she behaves, but she feels no feelings whatsoever. She can be impulsive and uh, terrible, but it's like not motivated by emotions. It's just uh, probably by desires or some other kinds of needs. And then like Anya's similarly, like just discovering herself, but of course she has longer to do it. Uh, I feel like not that we're going to swap casting, but also that would be really crazy to swap the casting for glory and Anya. Because I think they both could they could both figure out those roles pretty well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They both got the chops. What I don't understand is like why they keep saying like glory is a God. And so she's above like these emotions or feelings. But it's like most gods from like mythology definitely have feelings of like jealousy and pride and lust. It's like, what's this new definition of a God that doesn't have feelings? They just kill things. Like, isn't that still an enjoyment of that? Yeah. Like, it's just a weird thing of. I think there's there's the the feelings of gods are different from yeah. the feelings of man, right? Um, but it is very much like it's the data thing of like I don't feel emotions and that makes me sad. <laughs> also, Glory did a great job of sucking out Bruffy's brain without using her sp- any spells. Um, I wanted to ask Dr. Travis, does this medically happen? Um, what what is this? What do you mean sucking? Didn't she just kidnap Don? I'm so confused. Yeah, people's you know she her sister got kidnapped and then yeah. she went catatonic. I mean, it, you. I mean, this looks like PTSD. I mean, I they kept calling it guilt, but like the way she shut down is like severe PTSD. That, that, that's more of what I think is going on with this. That's how you interpret the symptoms of the catatonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, um, or like an this acute psychotic episode from traumatic events, but. Um, I like yeah. how Glory's lackeys complain about all of Glory's stuff. That's so amazing. 
<laughs> and they're complaining about having to pack it up and move it. And they don't move anything. Also, why would you complain about packing up and moving things when hell is just going to open up? Like, they didn't move anything anyways. Like, it's just like a weird throwaway scene. <laughs> Nothing from her apartment was coming with her to the other dimension. <laughs> like, <laughs> they didn't have like a, a, a what is it? Um, a... Uh, what are those crate or containers? Those containers that you get outside of a house or something? <laughs> a pod. A, yeah. Yeah, a pod. <laughs> it's like they don't have a pod, pod delivery yeah. service to the hell dimension. It's like, so she can keep her high heels. I mean, she's going to be walking in, in blood in the other dimension, I imagine. Or maybe her shoes will be made out of like someone's, you know, skin or hide or antlers. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If I was a hell god, I'd wear somebody's you know, skin as a shoe. I also like that there's uh, we in, we're introduced to like a new tier of minions this episode. Mm-hmm. There's like priest minion who is taller and dresses fancier. <laughs> also, was anyone like like hel- triggered by this obsession with anointing and getting flashbacks <laughs> to the anointed one, the anointed one from season two? I'm like, no, no, the anointed one. Oh, it's just an anointing. Oh, it's just an anointing. Okay, it is funny. I, like anytime you leave the room you know, Don is going to be anointed by something. <laughs> so you have to keep close eye on these jerks. Uh, this, uh, yeah, the anointing was definitely giving me heavy triggers, but it was Catholic triggers. It was like, motherfucker, it's Ash Wednesday. Like, yeah, he's just literally doing the Ash Wednesday. Head. Yeah. He's not doing anything slightly different. He's just, oh yeah, cross with ashes on your forehead. Yeah. 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 But he's taking his damn time about it. Yeah. <laughs> And then Glory wipes it off, and they're like, no, you can't wipe that off. You have to have it on you all day. <laughs> Can you imagine how, like, weird or weak that spell would be if, like, that's, like, the fine details? It's like buying a house, and the fine details is, like, you have to, like, I don't know. I could make up anything. But it's, like, the weirdest fine details for a, a spell that's going to open up dimensions. Like, I imagine it's, like, it's ritual, and it's not ne- really necessary. It's, like, you know. You can do. You can just get married by signing some papers. You don't have to like do the whole ritual, right? Yes, that's true. Not if you both <laughs> want to go to heaven. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> so Spike explaining how Ben and Glory are the same person, and no one knew because they are magically unavailable. Like they, you magically, if you witness it, you don't put it together. Is crazy. <laughs> And I took me a rewatch of this this morning to put it together that that is what Dennis had done to me <laughs> when I first brought up the Ben Glory <laughs> teleportation of the same person. And like, I didn't catch that that was what was going on. I was like, oh, he's just being weird and gaslighting. Like, no, this is in the show. <laughs> yeah. That's how the stupid show affected, deals with I was it. affected by the spell until this episode. Yeah, to be fair, Dennis uh, created a back channel chat for the yes. rest of us to try to get us all in on the joke, and the rest of us completely fucked it up. Is what happened. <laughs> yeah, he was but really I good. Did not I can't remember. It. Yeah, I, I screwed it up or something, <laughs> and then like we couldn't keep it going. So I'm glad you remembered like Dennis's initial efforts. No, I did because um, it was so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> That's friendship. Friendship. Uh, well, well done, Dennis. That was a lovely prank. But uh, I can't believe that's how the show explains it. That's so dumb. <laughs> I also like like Ben is glory is the who's on first of Buffy uh, for Buffy Absolutely. fans. Absolutely. It's just like like to the point in this episode where it's literal slapstick. Where you're <laughs> I'm uh, curious how the rest of the fans feel about this insanity. If like they are bothered by it or if it's just like. I'm on a know. large Buffy Facebook group um, where I post mostly Buffy Virgin stuff. 
And it's a recurring joke that either like some people, like half the group seems to love and engage in it. And the other group seems, the other half seems to hate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are, that, that seems like the right breakdown. Well, I'm glad her spell is finally weakening so we can all be in on the joke. It was just so ridiculous. And then like when, you know, Xander and Spike are hanging out and they like get into the warlock's apartment and then, you know, Xander just like, you know, pontiff. That bed is just like they really push it so hard. This bit Ugh. felt like an airplane joke. Yeah. Still made me laugh, though. So they, they did their jobs. OK, what about the trades? There's money in arc welding. When Willow goes to like set up her spell to get inside of Buffy's catatonic mind and there's this crazy arc welding <laughs> poster, like a trade advertisement, that is a freaking amazing. And it's just like, you know, text like our eyes just are drawn to it. It's such yeah. a great prop. <laughs> I have a theory. Uh, I have a theory. A I think Xander off off screen off screen on this show went on Queer Eye. This like this like really intense like I've put up a thing that connects with your job and the things you love. It feels very queer eye to me. Uh, that'd be cool. I think I would, it would I, would, be, I would watch the hell out of Xander on Queer Eye. That'd be great. It'd be a great episode where just like in the background they're like slaughtering a demon. Yeah, you know? and he just like breaks down and cries. <laughs> like yeah. twenty minutes in, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> and ever like Anya just constantly is referencing like. The two Xanders and the the Queeras just do not get with the references at all. Okay, well, then it's like Xander's like just his homage to the world that he works in, but like a vintage homage. Like, I'm a part of something important, a noble tradition of arc welders. Uh, It was kind of it had a fallout vibe. I really dug it. It was fun. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, I like that Willow is just a telepath now. Um, yeah, when a character is a witch, you can just give them any powers you want for an episode. I feel like that's a pretty major thing to be, you know. Did she even try this on her girlfriend? <laughs> I feel like that Oof. like would have been at least something worth trying in this yeah, situation. That would have been the horror movie version of yeah. this episode, which I would watch. Uh, so Ben apartment, uh, Ben's apartment is super sad, right? Like. Was you know Spike's kind of looking around and finds his secret apartment in the hotel that we have never seen before, and it's just like a unmade bed, one work shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in a little closet. I think Travis, when you're an intern, that's all you got time for, right? Yeah, he doesn't have time for a lot of a lot of other things. I mean, he he really doesn't go to work either, so it's not like he needs a ton of work shirts. <laughs> <laughs> bad doctor, bad human, all around bad. Bad wardrobe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Looks good in a dress, though. Yeah. Someone like should get Spike, him on Queer Eye. Spike at least has a TV. Ben's got Jack. He has a book, maybe. I don't even see a lamp in there. I don't know how he's getting things done. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he has a car. He probably does a lot of sleeping in his car, too. Yeah, we don't. I mean, I think I used to assume, you know, Ben had parents and then glory is the infection and stuff. But now I'm like the baby was just born like sans anybody. And he's been raised by these monks or the minions. I mean, these weird ass minions. Right. And they get money from worship, I guess. I don't know. 
Do you remember that invisible girl that lived upstairs in uh, Sunnydale High School? Like lived yeah, in the Claire attic Duvall. or something? Yeah, Clea Duvall, man. Like she had a better setup than Ben. And that was like, looked like a drug den. <laughs> it does seem like, you know, it's like you're worshiping a god and you do everything for the god, but the god is most of the time a human being. Like, why treat that human being also like trash? Why be like, you live in the closet? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the gods totally prefer one side. I mean, the minions totally prefer one side, you know, of that split, right? But it's like, you know, like, like if there's a holy trinity or something, you're not going to be like, get out of here, holy ghost. I don't know. (laughs) Nobody likes you. Nobody talks about you because they don't get what you are. Is the holy ghost not allowed in Boston? Is he... (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you something, punk. Get in your car and get the hell out of Boston. Well, when I saw Joyce in the catatonic dream world, man, I freaking, I, I chanted, I wooed. Yeah. Because I know that's a prediction to see some Joyce again. You already got that one. I think. Didn't you when she uh, was resurrected? I think I did get it. But yeah, you've already gotten got credit it. for that. You can't get credit for it again. All you could have right. repredicted well, it. You didn't. You could have. You could have. Shoulda, woulda. If I asked you, would you, could you? All right, well, I'm, I'm going to... I thought you were just excited because you felt emotions about this show and about the characters, and you were excited to see, like, a young Joyce. See Joyce again. This character you missed. With her young mom haircut. <laughs> nope. Just uh, thought I had a prediction on that, but it turns out I already got the point. Can't get it twice. Ah. Um, I really like... Uh, you know, I like the whole, like, going into somebody's mind thing. That's... A, a piece of cinema I'll always enjoy, but um, I really like baby Buffy kind of in the memory moment and then like breaks away from it to turn to Willow to make a comment, but she's not making a comment as Buffy as adult Buffy. She still makes the comment as baby Buffy. She's like, look at his little old man face. You know, <laughs> I think that's really cute. Um, the back, they go back to the hospital shot. Um, but we see spike pocketing a pack of blood in the hospital. I like that. That is excellent. Just, and also, like, so Travis, just to make, this is not a real thing, right? You don't just leave blood lying around on a cart unrefrigerated, right? That's mm, not a you thing. You do it in Sunnydale, right? <laughs> no, you don't do that in real life. Like, real life, I mean, you do leave things unattended in a hospital as you run back and forth to rooms, but not like that. Okay. Like, I, totally I imagine like also that. there was, like, a nurse or somebody who saw that happen and was just like, nope, that's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about paperwork. But also, like, what happened to that person who needed that unit of blood and all the paperwork that's going to have to happen when it just goes missing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you ever had to fill out the missing blood uh, paperwork, Travis? Thankfully, I've never had to fill out paperwork where a unit of blood has literally disappeared into thin air. That would be very hard to explain. (laughs) Is there a form for that? Form, in sunny, uh, form in Sunnydale, AB positive. <laughs> I bet. I bet there's a, definitely a form in Sunnydale Hospital for like missing blood. <laughs> but also, there are like all these signs for no smoking. There's not just like the generic no smoking sign, but there was a poster about how smoking kills. Yes, there was. And and and, and the no smoking sign and Spike lights up a cigarette. I thought one of them was going to pull it out of his m- mouth, but. No, they just let him smoke. It was very strange. Yeah. It's interesting. They're kind of buddies right now, you know. Um, Also, uh, I didn't write this down, but uh, Xander calls the, like, mental ward, like, 
wrote it down. It was like the vegetable section or something. Yeah, the vegetable section. Oh, yeah. And I just want to be like, not cool, Xander. That is, not, not, that is definitely not appropriate. Um, um, right after that scene, uh, as they're leaving, uh, <laughs> Spike gives us Xander a little spank on the bottom. It's a really <laughs> slashy mint moment. And there's a lot of Spike Xander slash fiction out there. I never really understood why before, but after seeing that, that scene, I made a gif of it and I put it in oh the document down there. Oh my gif? <laughs> because yes, uh, it's, really, gif. it's really quite a lot going on there. Yeah. Uh, you missed last week when Spike uttered the lines, you maybe let it slip in a time or two. <laughs> um, I was going to say there's two things. One, um, Going back to with um, Willow and Buffy's brain, like it's it was really interesting because um, Willow didn't know Buffy when Buffy was a child, but like she's not excited to meet like tiny Buffy like necessarily. I mean, it, this definitely is like mission critical. Like we have to find something out, but like normally she should be like really psyched to meet her best friend as like a younger person before you know she actually knew her. But like obviously, it's not the focus of this episode, but. I was like, she should have been more excited. Um, just a little pause, Trev. You're talking totally off camera. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And then um, who's providing Giles' health insurance? Is it still the Watcher group? Like The Watcher group. The Watcher, like, is it Watcher Watcher International or Watcher? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> well, as a, I don't know. As a small businessman, he might be buying his own health insurance, right? That's insane. That there's there's no way he could afford the insurance claims on the magic shop by itself. A shop well, that has burned down like ten times, twenty times. For that matter, off. is he is he providing insurance for, for Anya? Yes. Yes. Is she insured? Well, that's because he's not making any claims on that place. You know? That's the only way that thing would operate is like yeah. if he get damaged, he makes no claim. Well he's got yeah, he's friends with a carpenter. It's just like, yeah, keeping Xander employed and you could probably pay Xander 12 an hour and he'll be like happy as a clam. <laughs> this is a uh, part of your sacred duty. Happy to be a part of the team. Um, I also really like uh, just the way I like the way dream sequences are shot and like um, the shot of Buffy of Willow looking at child Buffy and then she looks to the left and sees adult Buffy in an entirely different scene. And then she looks back to the right and we're back to, you know, we're back to the same setting and to baby Buffy again. I find, I find that stuff very enjoyable. No, that was definitely some sexy editing. I enjoyed that too. I didn't realize you could get away with that, but really like we're so drawn to eyes like that. You can look left, cut, look right, cut. And like it totally, you're just following their eye movement. And yeah. just like, as long as the character you're, you're looking is like kind of still in this, like, you're following is still in the scene uh, this. And then that other dream episode where we went in like literally just like within two cuts went into the, uh, I think it was like ice cream truck or whatever. That one was like freaking great. This was that, that was awesome. The left, right. Oh, so good. Thank you for yeah. calling that out. Dennis. Yeah. You can get away with it, right? Like only in television need, yeah. or like t- video. You couldn't do that in a comic necessarily. Yeah. Maybe you could. I don't know. It would require something else, but you could do it. But it, yeah, it is all about like just following somebody's line. As long as there's somebody static, you can kind of be the point of view character for. You can guide through anywhere, really. So Glory talking about human emotions as a drug is fun. 
And it's weird to hear what sounds like a rational argument from such an emotionally unstable character who apparently doesn't experience emotions. So this is like the thing with Glory that I guess we kind of talked about earlier as well. Like, do gods experience emotions? Because like she acts like someone who is completely unstable and yet claims that she doesn't experience emotions. So she doesn't experience <laughs> human emotions. So then like, I guess the differentiator is like human emotions and the human emotions are the ones that are like kind of that make you a failure. Uh, things like guilt, anxiety, fear, nervousness. Probably love is one of those because I don't think Glory loves, right? Because that's like uh, probably a, something Anya's experiencing, right? Something like that. But just uh, it's there's there's um I'm sure a philosophy of Buffy just in this this episode about uh what what emotions are and what feelings are because that that separation was happening in that scene that was really interesting. Um, but also like, yeah, emotions do kind of make us a mess. I was totally like, I'm like, yeah, just not along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially like, especially strong emotions, like emotions that affect you physically. Like they make you garbage. Uh, and then I just want to call out that amazing living room grave site set, right? <laughs> Where like Joyce's grave in the living room or whatever. And then this is before, yeah. uh, Buffy uh, snuffs Dawn. And just like it is freaking sick, like it yeah. was just tacky and amazing. Uh, love that set. Like <laughs> then it's the saddest headstone too for Joyce. Just like this uh, hastily, you know, it's just like the generic headstone. It's like the and pet then, cemetery like, model. Totally. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like artificial turf as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to like blend into the carpet. Oh, such a! I love the set decoration on that. It's so good. It yeah, like too. all the good, bad parts of my brain are tingling. I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> you did that. Ooh, that's so good <laughs> and bad. Mm. And then you freaking kill your sister in the next room. Wow. That sequence is just amazing. Yeah. And I, I love the thing of like dream, dream. Dawn is just like a constant stream of tears, you know? Yeah, that was, that was a weird, cool thing they did. Sort of silently crying. That feels yeah. like a thing out of a dream i don't know well it's uh, for me it was like for buffy is talking about the how she um her, you know her gift is death and like literally you know she's feeling responsibility for her mother's death and then kills literally kills her sister i mean it's just a powerful absurd sequence uh, um this is this is the episode for me this this sequence good yeah 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 this but, is some powerful shit and it's shit you can only get away with like in a like if you accept the setup of like being in somebody's mind and stuff, you know, but the opposite of like this episode also has one of the worst scenes, like the most boring scenes, this Ben glory argument scene where like Ben and glory keep like not bamfing because that's a trigger <laughs> word, but they keep like switching back and forth. And it's like, it's so boring. You, you keep expecting Dawn to escape and she doesn't really. Yeah. And like Ben glory's own arguments is like are kind of, it's this samey thing we've had about the key and about the split personality. It doesn't add anything to the world anymore, except that it's like an interesting effect to play with. So like, we're kind of enjoying the weirdness of this effect, but like, I'm not enjoying these actors and act like it. It's the least pleasurable scene for those two actors. Uh, for me, I, I just like, I don't know why I don't like it yet, but I just don't like it. Yeah. Well, I think um, like Lord of the Rings does it better with Gollum and Smeagol. Um, and I, th I th like the effect is cool a little bit, but it's like 
not going to like really be like a wower for us at this in this day and age. I think this scene would have same dialogue would have been better if it was just shot with like um with like, you know, cutting with cutting and with like light changes, mm-hmm. you know, do some red and green. I think that would have been a more appealing scene for me. Yeah. Uh, the morph effect just hasn't aged well. Yeah. Or if like, like we looked into the mechanics of how you really switch bodies. So like every time they switch, like, you know, like all of glory's hair falls out and then grows back. Like, so at the <laughs> end there's just this big pile of like their hair and fingernails and teeth and stuff like teeth. Oh God. I love the idea that their, <laughs> your teeth fall out and regrow every time. That's horrifying. <laughs> it's a pile of teeth. Uh-huh. <laughs> is, is that not where everybody else's mind goes? That's where mine like, well i like how you've made that the most disgusting version of transformation that would be amazing that would be so rad to see It'd be way more interesting than this scene Jeez, just something else needs to happen i yeah i like how you brought up the Gollum and schmeagle thing because like the split personality or split person and then just seeing them literally split like literally like transform over and over again like it doesn't it's not emphasizing enough of the differences in their the way they think it's that they're the same they want to show the same, but like, we already know this. So like, it doesn't, it's not as interesting. It's just like, they're both trying to do different things and they can't cause they only have the body for a second or like a little bit. Yeah. And, like, and they go a little bit into stuff like Ben, like Ben is speaking through glory's body for like one line. But if they went more into that, like have them both do that a little bit, like really show that they're like conflicted that way. That'd be interesting. At that point, I was hoping that the scene would lead to them literally splitting but it didn't because that's that's not what's where it's going. And during that whole scene, like Don just should have run away. She was like, this is between them and I could get out very easily. But during that scene, there's those cabbages. <laughs> so I took a, a screenshot of this and I think this probably looks way better in four, three, like in the original crop, but in the 16, nine <laughs> version, there's these three cabbages and the way that they're lit, they like they like like there's a, they, you know, they definitely make sure that that Dawn gets good light and that Glory gets good light. But they also <laughs> really make sure that these three cabbages like have their own spotlight. And it's there's just like in this back alley <laughs> on top of the crate, there's three cabbages. You know, and somebody was making a salad back there. <laughs> an, all, an all cabbage salad. That's why you'd never order a cabbage like uh Cabbage salad, salads in Sunnydale. <laughs> what are these? What do they symbolize? What do these cabbages symbolize? <laughs> Three heads of. Uh, speaking of meaningless nonsense, uh, during the uh, when they go to the apartment of the uh, the the warlock, the dude with the tongue. Um, there's some really good details in all of his sort of um, curio collection. First of all, uh, when uh, in the first shot, when Spike walks in, you can see that he has a stack of records and on the top is uh, Steppenwolf. So he's a classic rock fan. I don't know if that uh, expands the character at all. Um, no, I think him and Giles could jam together, maybe. Definitely. Yep. The, the, he has a, a sign over his fireplace that says the wages of sin is death. Oh, which I think that's that's fitting. And then also the book he's reading when they come in that he's like intently studying is actually the Encyclopedia of American Associations. <laughs> he's, so 
I mean, I don't know. That actually feels pretty it's like something an evil genius would read, right? The Encyclopedia of American Associations. What does it mean when I like his style? Is that, <laughs> yeah, is that a red flag? Great. He's got a cool ass typewriter. His his chair looks amazingly comfortable. He's got yep. a bitch and fire. He's like, got a he's globe. Just, he's just chilling. Like he's just straight up chilling. Like expanding his mind, reading some books. Um, Way too much religious stuff on the walls for my taste. But. Well, yeah. Oh, you're the one who's who's been clamoring on about Catholicism. <laughs> I can't get over how much he looks like. Um, like a third Smothers brother. So can I tell you, I Googled this guy because I'm like, oh, this guy, what's his deal? His name is jo- Joel Gray, and he was an actor for forever, kind of like a bit, kind of like an, a, a bit actor. But it turns out his daughter is Jennifer Gray, who is like a pretty famous movie star. And his son-in-law is Clark Gregg, who's also a TV star, a movie star, and, and a bunch of Joss Whedon stuff. Oh, I didn't know that part. I Yeah, I was like... And I don't know if that means Clark Gregg and Jennifer Gray are married. I don't know if that if that's what that means or if he has another daughter, et cetera. But I was like, whoa. Also, he was like 68 when this was filmed, and he looks amazing. Like he was, maybe was he 68? He was something like that. Yeah, he, 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 he looked incredibly young for his age when this was filmed. Well, sadly, this is probably his last episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, because Xander kills him. And I was a little shocked that they chose to kill him because he has some box which we're not going to open on this episode. That's important. And uh, let's not learn anything about the contents or interrogate this dude. Just straight up murder him. (laughs) I guess that makes the writing easier because everything could just be a surprise at the end. But wow, I was just Um, surprised that Xander like murdered a dude. not Not to throw off your predictions or whatever, but we see his eyes open afterwards. Yeah. So, oh, what? No. <laughs> Did they? I totally. No. They, you know, he stabs him. The blue blood splatters everywhere on Xander. They walk out of the apartment. Yeah. Cut to his eyes opening. Uh, why? <laughs> yeah. I guess Mike, you, you that need part. to watch this three times. It proves that watching an episode twice is just not enough for you, Mike. You could cut. You could do that cut in any film to any, any, at any moment at the end of the scene. I live. Also, it definitely should say something about like the easy violence to like marginalized groups. Like, remember how we talked about Buffy is like finally killed humans in her last episode. But here, like Xander brutally stabs this like demon. No conscience, no, no regret, no nothing. Like there's definitely something to be said about violence, like I, sanctioned I, violence in the Buffy verse. This kind of reminds me of how uh, the original um, Night Owl dies in the Watchmen comic. You know, because he's just an old man in his apartment and like he just gets like attacked by teens randomly. Uh, except he's not dead. Like, It's just dangerous to be an academic in the world of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All true, I want to do is study American associations. <laughs> oh, my God. And have Sorry, people not, not steal my shit. Literally, they come in, kill him and steal his stuff. And it's like they're triumphant. Fuck these guys. This is exactly like uh, when you're playing like uh, D&D and you just like fuck up during an interrogation scene. So you're like, fuck it. I'll just start stabbing people. Like, I feel like the exact same thing happened when we were playing Monster of the Week and we went to that like uh, 
uh, bookstore and we just like could not interrogate the guy properly. So it ended up with like the whole place being set on fire. I feel like somebody started used their flamethrower. I feel like one of us had a flamethrower and it was I, used know, in a bookshop. There were flamethrowers. There were the three of us. Who's to say what happened? There's another weird thing going on in the scene too. And that's where Xander. <laughs> all you have is a flamethrower. Everything looks like a bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Making uh, Goebel so proud of you. <laughs> so the the other th- weird thing is, it's like Xander is like, I think Nick, I think the actor playing Nicholas Prennan is kind of like did not rehearse this scene very well because he is or like, I, I don't know what's going on because he's not reacting to z- the information that Dawn went there earlier and like uh-huh. that there's a prior relationship yeah. between Spike and the warlock and like, like. Xander just stares like he has no reaction to that. And that's kind of shocking that that's like, hey, uh, Don was here earlier. I mean, I guess now we're just like rescue Don mode. And so nothing, none of these other details matter. But I was just like a little surprised that there's completely no reaction to that information, because that felt like that was a big deal. That not only is this not a random guy, but like they tried to resurrect Joyce, you know, (laughs) like, which I don't I think Buffy knows about. Maybe not everyone knows about how that thing went down. Yeah, Xander is like this character you can reveal a lot of information next to and just be like, it still won't get back to the group. He doesn't. Because like, <laughs> he doesn't even understand. He has the mind yeah. of a child. <laughs> He's probably staring at the globe and thinking about like funny, <laughs> like trying to create a pun with globe or something. That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> can I work your gay into this? All right. Well, then it's not about his acting. I apologize to Nicholas Brennan. It's just that the character is kind of like. You could say anything and you kind of like just kind of not get it. Awesome. Uh, I think that is weird noticings and trivia. So let's move on to questions for the group. Questions for the group. Uh, I know this is too many questions, but I'll get started. Uh, Question one. How did Ben finish (laughs) medical school or how did he even become a medical intern? It doesn't appear to me that Ben is in his body long enough to do anything meaningful. Uh, but please, I mean, I, uh, how? how? Uh, I, I have an interpretation for this, and this could just be me, um, you know, defending Buffy against all logic, I guess. But uh, I always interpreted it as like um, Ben is in control most of the time. But as this ascent, as Glory get stronger and as this ascension draws near glory takes more and more control but like maybe for the first 10 15 years of his life he only turned into glory like a couple times and then like it just keeps happening more and more mm. that makes sense i'll buy it okay because he's 25 right so yeah. he's been he's gone through college and at least is in a medical program of some kind or isn't he's doing his residency uh and he's been absent and he also got fired i guess from his job as an intern uh anyway just it just seemed crazy like how would a split person ever achieve this level unless they like just have some phony papers and shit i mean i guess if you have minions to solve problems is kind of where i'm i'm going with this but yeah yeah the minions are writing the papers for him minions <laughs> and and magic i'm sure somebody's doing some voodoo and magic but there was that moment where he was like glory i have a job i have a life and i'll be like you don't have one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ben. Uh, 
Oh, um, I'm sorry. I should have brought this up earlier. I was thinking when we learned out that we learned the old word luck worships the beast, that the only way that makes sense, because she's 25, is if our dimension knew, like, if people knew about the beast before she was, like, thrown from mm-hmm. her, like, perch in hell heaven or whatever, in the hell dimension. So, like, that would that also makes the Knights of Byzantium make more sense to me if there was some knowledge about the beast before, like, right. the fall, you know. Anyway, <laughs> just me trying to explain away things that the writers do not care about. <laughs> All right, this is a like a, a more ambiguous question, but uh, what school of witch is Willow? And I'm I'm asking this question because we're kind of riffing on the idea like a witch in this world can be given kind of any spell, and it's like, eh, it's a witch, she can do it. She's a telepath this week, you know. It's like uh, fits into witchy magic, like. There's the boundaries are feel a little unclear, right? Do you, can you assign Willow's witchiness to a school? She definitely didn't go to Hogwarts. I'll tell you that. Um. <laughs> That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> I mean, she, she claims she's a practitioner of, of, uh, be of, she's a Wiccan, right? She's a wicked Wiccan. Mm-hmm. Um, with that wiki lifestyle, <laughs> but, but I don't think Wiccans she- could do all that shit. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of like self-taught. She doesn't have a mentor as far as I can tell. I mean, Giles is not really a mentor. mentor. Yeah, he totally dropped the ball on that. She's mostly learning from his books and then from Tara, right? Yeah. So she's like such an informally educated witch. She really doesn't have a school. She just has kind of like a couple mentors. Yeah, like Victor Frankenstein. (laughs) Giles from the Watcher Council, Tara from another unaffiliated self-taught person right presumably self-taught I, I don't th- i don't think she has a hard ideology if what you're asking is does she have a hard ideology i don't think so right no formal training no clear school we can give her any spell and she'll probably figure it out she's a complete autodidact cool i uh, know i just i didn't i you know there's there's only that idea of levels briefly brought up by the watcher council but like if you were to create Go with me, guys, for one second. If you were to create a role-playing game based on this universe, you probably have a class, and it's just called Witch or yes. Magic User, and just, like, everyone just kind of goes into this, and then, like, they don't pick a school or, like, a specialization. You can learn any spell. You kind of get it. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Which I, I am more of a fan of, like, you you pick a path. You become, like, you know, you're either, like, a, a necromancer or you're, like, a healer or... Sorry, those are all, like, all right, but, um, <laughs> you know, you're not just like, I'm good at everything. I feel like that's a little well, frustrating about, well, like... to be fair, she really only does, like, certain types of spells. So she does, like, protection spells a lot. She does, like, investigative spells. She does... But she doesn't do, like, you know, glamours. Well, there was, like, I think an accidental glamour, right? Or, no, Tara did the glamour. I mean, she does do, like, mostly defensive, rarely offensive spells and, like, investigatory spells. So, I mean, she, she, but she's also got lightning. She's got bag of knives. Yeah. Um, she has teleport. She, she has yeah. telepathy. Ooh, uh, we should really like write down a list of her spells. Like she's, what? she's mastered the four, uh, four elements, know, four elements. Okay. Well, uh, next question. Um, what's your feeling about meeting the baby version of your friends? How do you feel when you meet the baby, your baby friends through some magical means? I don't know. I mean, baby friends are like, 
When you meet a baby, you could just decide that's the baby version of your friends for all that matters. Babies are <laughs> sort of interchangeable with each other, aren't they? Well, I mean, we're no. saying I'm, I'm saying baby. We're saying baby, but we're talking about like a three, four year old. They're, no, that girl oh, okay. was like that girl sure. was okay, like okay, seven. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Toddler friends. You're meeting no, the not to- seven, no, is, seven, second, is, gr- second grade, something like that. Second, this, third grade? that kid looks like grade. she's in third grade. Are, no, third no, grade no, friend. No, I no. I have friends who are parents, and second graders seem older than that. Okay. This is uh, like having taught all of these grades. I oh yeah, you're the you. actual expert in this. Uh, <laughs> I, I think young Buffy is. About. I, she's either she's maybe kindergarten or first grade. <laughs> would be my would be my guess. Five or six. Okay, meeting the first grade kindergarten version of your friends. That'd be wicked. That'd be great. I would. I would really enjoy that. That would be fantastic. What if uh, you met baby me, but I still had like my beard, and glasses, and everything? No, Dennis, I, you would I have mean, your. You have that haircut. Shut up about that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> we all had different haircuts. I think it'd be wonderful. I would be thrilled. Yes, I, I would really enjoy that. I would enjoy. Um, I guess the about. only two people who have met each other when you were kids was was is uh, Mike and John. You two knew yes. each other roughly at that age, but none of a little bit older, but yeah, not much. Yeah, Clo- close, close enough. What if adult you met the baby version of somebody you hated? Would you bully that baby? <laughs> how close am I to a? How much do how I hate am, them? <laughs> how close am I to a well, a cave, a lake, a train set of train tracks? Is this how you get rid of children? Is that these are train tracks? <laughs> I'm getting rid of the baby it's version of an enemy. That's the you, best. You right? the bus tie it to a train track. To a train track. God. I think if you're going to dispose of the body, the train tracks are not the way to go. You can make it look like an accident. All you get, I mean, I don't need to tell you how to kill a baby. I mean, it's easy. <laughs> I mean, wow. Buffy's got it down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super, it, that's super chilling when you watch her do that. That's super chilling. All right. I got one more question and then I've, I swear I've done this. Right. Uh, so what's the name of the spell that lets you enter a catatonic person's brain? Like, what's that? I know the name of the spell as a transition in Premiere. It's called Dip to White. But like, what is the? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's great. I think okay, great. I'm gonna cast dip to white. I touch you, and then I'll be inside your brain. Dip white. It's, it's like yeah, uh, cerebrum infectus. I don't know. That's good too. I like that. All right, uh, that is all the questions. So let's uh, do a brief dip into themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. Uh, I just like there's a lot of heavy talk about guilt this episode. Yes, sir. um, You know, it's uh, feeling very Catholic to me. And it's like guilt as both a power uh, to use against glory and as like a weapon that damages Buffy. Um, I think the thing that like (laughs) bothered me the most is when Willow identifies its guilt and she's like, guilt is good. And I'm like, fuck you, Willow. Guilt is not good. Um, well, she doesn't say guilt is good. She says it's a it, it's a feeling and, and it's uh, good. It, she doesn't. What does she say? It's a feeling and it has uh, it has value or something like that. 
but it's just a feeling. Which, yeah. Which is, I think that that's as good a read on guilt as I've got. Um, and also, like, isn't it interesting? Like, I don't know. I was thinking, like, when you're experiencing guilt and then people are trying to lift you out of it, it, yeah, that's the story all the time. Is that like, oh yeah, guilt is sort of useless and it's sort of it's holding you back, it's holding you back. But I know plenty of people out there in the world who I feel like maybe should be experiencing a little more guilt. No, you're right. I just I'm looking at it from the point of view of like an an old ex Catholic. No, like, yeah, same here. Like, I I, I got one you. Of, <laughs> like one of the major things, like is your taunt is to be feel guilt about your feelings and your thoughts. Absolutely. And it's like, this episode is a real clear evidence of like why that's damaging. And like, uh, you know, when you are like Buffy is in a very intense situation, right? Like she's in this fight for her life. Right. She has one second about a thought about like her sister dying. And that's this thing that like, that's, you know, the key, that's the key to the key or whatever. That's the secret guilt. Like, center of her guilt is like this, just this one second of like looking at like, what are the possibilities of losing and like thinking about how she would feel bad about, you know, she would mourn if her sister died and then she would move on. And like, just speaking as somebody who has done caregiving for somebody who's dying, thoughts enter your head all the time. They're awful thoughts, but it doesn't make you a bad person for thinking them. It makes right. you like a person who's processing terrible things. If you're like going to like shame yourself for like just like processing shit like you're never going to get over your feelings of like you know you're never going to properly mourn or you're never going to properly like move on if you're like i thought the worst feeling in the world like everybody (laughs) i'm just just i'm just saying everybody feels the worst feeling in the world sometimes and it doesn't make you a bad person for having those thoughts and i just wanted to do a quote from Jaime Hernandez, uh, who's one of my favorite cartoonists, and he's got this dream comic called The Race. And at the end, the character realizes it's a dream. And there's like um, a lesson from a dream character who's like, there's no such thing as the dream police. So you can think all the dirty, sick, evil thoughts you desire. Acting on them is a, is a different animal. Um, and I <laughs> like that's my takeaway. That's all I'm like saying is like, like you're not. You d- don't have to feel guilt for thoughts for things yeah. you did not act on. Well, yeah. And, and, and that is the whole Catholic thing, right? The occasion of sin that like, you're sort of like, you're responsible for not only for the things you do, but the things that you think about or the things that you feel. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, and then you have to tone for those. Like you have to confess to the priests, not only about your actions, but about your thoughts. Yeah. And if you don't, you're lying to the priest and you're yeah. like only like, yeah digging your hole to hell faster right yeah it's yeah which i agree i think is pretty pretty awful um but i I think there is a question that i don't really know where i fall on which is like it does guilt do anything for self-policing like if you have if you have a desire to do something bad is your guilt either probably hopefully not about the feeling but you know does your does you does your guilt about bad things you've done in the past actually help you police um i don't know that it does because like uh on the one hand, like I said, I feel like there's a lot of horrible people out there who I wish would feel more guilty about the things yeah. they're doing. On the other hand, I also bet that there's a lot of people doing horrible things who feel really guilty about them and continue to do them. Like, I, I can think of a lot of things that guilt has not stopped me from doing. Yeah. Um, and I don't and I, know. I, I think, I de- like, if guilt is the thing that's stopping you from committing a crime or something, then that's I'm glad it's there, I guess. But like, right. 
Um, I'd rather there being be some sort of higher moral reasoning, I guess. Yeah. Um, than just like because guilt is so connected directly to me with like punishment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the we we should have motivations beyond just like reward and punishment, I guess. Right. But um, who am I to police somebody's internal motivations for their behavior? I guess. You're a man with a microphone. (laughs) What else do you need? Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, that is some (laughs) themes. I don't know. Well, I I don't want to cut you off, but I just want to say, I really appreciate what you said, Dennis, that that was really, that's a really mature and interesting thought. And I, it does kind of expose the immaturity of the show's perception of guilt or at least Buffy's. Right. Because what you're talking about is like, you should have the thoughts. You should be able to have like that. You don't act on them, but have these kind of thoughts that explore whatever it is that you that you need to explore and that Buffy kind of stops at the thought punished for the thought, which is like you're saying, which is Catholic, right? To be punished for the thought, which is, which is crazy. And I, I had never put that together. I went to Catholic school very briefly and experienced some of that thought punishment. And it's terrible. It's the worst part. And I only went for two years, but I remember it so intensely because it was such a surprising jolt of negativity to live with that idea that you could be punished for your thoughts, for sinful thoughts or thought crimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Willow uh, was raised in the Jewish tradition. I don't know if she identifies as Jewish or Wiccan now, as we've talked about. But, uh, you know, they also uh, have guilt traditions also. So she can hook into that as well. Yeah, I I think you're right. It's all about, you know, what the purpose of the guilt is. So the Catholic tradition, the purpose of guilt is to control the, the parishioners keep them in line, keep them giving money to the church, keep the church in power, right? So, so cynical, but, Travis. Anyway. So, well, so I'm not Catholic, so I can say that and not worry about being excommunicated or going to hell. Uh, so, which is what I'm I mean, worried but, about. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if, What I've if learned the, is basically like, uh, I say like, oh, I'm an old ex-Catholic, but uh, I've never been excommunicated. So as far as the church is concerned, I'm still in their books, you yes. know? Well, I'm just saying, like, it depends on the on the purpose behind the guilt, whether it's good or bad or useful. Clearly, in the case of Catholicism, guilt is not useful to most human beings. But I suppose there's some cultures where guilt could be useful and is not necessarily a bad thing. But that's just me kind of thinking thinking broadly about that. One thing I didn't like about this with Buffy being guilty uh, or feeling guilty was because she thought, like, John would die and then people would say that they're sorry for her and her life would go on. But that's not what the show's talking about. The show's talking about like an apocalypse. So if Don died, that's it. I mean, unless Don died before the worlds were merged, and maybe that's what she's thinking of. But that's definitely not like what the show's about. There is, if Don dies, there is no like next year. It's like the dimensions merge. Am I missing something here? No, I mean, uh, she could be thinking about like a partial victory, but would would be the mechanics of how that would work, right? Like, defeat glory by killing Don, but okay, maybe I think she's, she's just thinking about, about like, you know, I, <laughs> just the mechanic, just the feeling of you're giving up on your sister's life uh, instead of the like, um, you know, ins- instead of like, we'll be living in hell. The world will be torn apart and people will be like, sorry, Buffy. You know, she's not thinking about that, I guess. Okay. Because I definitely, when I was watching, I'm like, oh, she's going to say something totally different than talking about guilt about Dawn. And then she didn't say anything. She said something, like, because I haven't seen this episode in a very long time. So I was like, oh, that's what she thought. And then it made sense to me. But, like, what I thought she was going to be, like, her eureka moment, her epiphany, 
definitely what I thought it should be was not what it was. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes no sense. <laughs> so anyway, so I have my own ideas of what that moment should have been instead of what the show wants you to think it is. But I can't say because it's a spoiler because it involves the next episode. Oh my gosh. So excited to finish this season. So yeah. excited. <laughs> I'm sure we all are. We're so we're all very excited to have this finished. <laughs> and then we can get to season six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I think that's been themes and deep stuff. Uh, so let's dip into recommendations. Recommendations. Um, I'm going to recommend the Lars Venture movie Melancholia because I feel like this and the next episode are like if Joss Whedon and Lars Venture are given the same assignment and they turn in two very drastically different works. They're like, you need a story that involves the end of the world, sisters, catatonia and like major depression. And then they come <laughs> up with entirely different works, but they all use this, the same elements. Um <laughs> And also, like, uh, you know, Chris, I also think Kristen, Kristen Dunst is like a Sarah Michelle Gellar type, right? They could go out for the same roles. Um, so, yeah, you could watch that movie as uh, a depressing alternate Buffy universe if you wanted. Um, <laughs> uh, I also really like it, but it's not a movie I co come back to a lot because it's like dealing heavily with like such depression that you can't move. Um but it's a good movie if you like Lars von Trier. Um, I'm also going to recommend the movie Lost Highway for kind of two reasons. One is like anything that's, you know, we're walking in the mindscapes and stuff. I'm always like, this feels like a David Lynch movie a little bit. Um, two, this movie specifically, because this movie involves a lot of people sharing the same bodies or like inhabiting different bodies or something um, like Patricia Arquette plays two different characters and is also maybe Robert Blake. Um, you know, uh, Bill Pullman is two different bodies, two different characters, but sure. It's same. I don't know. It's a weird one. Um, and I, if you like David Lynch and if you like, like Trent Reznor and Marilyn Manson, you're going to like this movie. Um, a little bit of like a uh, warning that like Robert Blake is a very spooky main character. And like, if you want to watch a movie where somebody who may or may not have really killed their wife plays like a killer, uh, <laughs> There's a little bit of that. I didn't know about that. He was, uh, what's it called? Uh, <laughs> anyway, he's not convicted of killing his wife, but great. Well, he was, oh, right. So he's allegedly killed his wife, yeah. right? Like, but he went to trial. He was right? exonerated. Yeah. I had to look it up this morning because I thought he no had done it. <laughs> no wife killing. <laughs> I was exonerated. Uh, I'm also going to recommend the television show Legion uh, on FX um, because that movie, I mean, that show is really good and involves a lot of going into people's minds. Um, it's to me, it's for my money. It's the best live action X-Men stuff out there. Uh, although I haven't seen the third season of Legion yet, uh, but it's the director. It's the same creator who did the Fargo television series. And so he, he knows what he's doing. He's doing good stuff. Um, and I'm sure I've already recommended this on the podcast, but it's worth mentioning again, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I'm like, sure. I've recommended that. Cause we're going into memories. All right. Uh, let's do predictions. 
Virgin Predictions. Yes. Okay. So because I was not on the podcast last week, uh, we have to discuss uh, two episodes worth of predictions. But before we do that, uh, Michael, you are currently at a 64.81 overall and a 67.44 for season five. Okay. That is crazy that you and I do know the kid versions of each other. That is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Baby John. Yep. Not that different. Baby John is best John. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks. Just kidding. So, Michael, going back to season five, episode five, beginning of this season, you predicted that Dawn is, in fact, the key to another dimension. Uh, Another dimension, another dimension, another dimension. Uh, So that is confirmed because that turns out to be right. Uh, And you also predicted in the same episode that Dawn is, in fact, the key to the home dimension, specifically of the red dress monster. uh, I think that one's denied. Uh, You think that one's denied? How so? Uh, Because the Knights of Byzantium say the key is the key to all dimensions. And that's why the key is so dangerous. They will will tear apart every (laughs) single dimension and all universes. I think we can confirm this one. That's, yeah. I mean, it's, if I open all the doors on the street, I have opened the door to my house. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Woo, okay. That's a close one. <laughs> Shit. Okay. A uh, couple episodes later, you predicted that glory is late to a gathering. I think we now know that that is not specifically true in any way. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. It's, she's late to her, her party, her, her, uh, her, her homecoming party. No, she. There's we no find party. out that she was thrown out of her dimension. She was dethroned by two other gods. Yeah, and kicked out. And now she's coming back to reign. Yeah, but she wanted them. to get back years ago. I mean, she's technically late to her return. Mike's prediction is that there was going to be a gathering, maybe a hootenanny. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's going to happen next episode? Do you want to leave this one open, Travis? Is that what you're saying? I, I will, I will, we can close it because there's already two votes against one and that won't change. Okay. (laughs) We're going to close it. All right. It's denied. This is the, this show is really about what John and Dennis think. All right. We just got to let that. I just just lost a bet. I I mean, I just lost one. I was going to deny Mike his, this is the key. Don is the key to glory's dimension and you guys overruled me. So it doesn't always, I know there's this, (laughs) I know there's this rep on this show that I like you know, bully Travis with predictions, but uh, it looks like it's about split right now. It's a king. Okay. definitely not split. We got to bring guests on this show. So, uh, and season five, episode 19, just a couple episodes ago, uh, you predicted that glory is going to drink slash eat some Dawn blood in the next episode, season 20 spiral. Well, Didn't in happen. season 20, that does not specifically happen. So that is denied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So I can't um, account for TV's terrible pacing. So after uh, that episode, Michael, your overall accuracy dropped from 64.81 to 64.60. So you lost two tenths of a percentage point. Your accuracy for the season uh, dropped from a 67.44 to a 65.96. So down by a couple percentage points for the season. Uh, But we've got more to do because there's this episode as well. Uh, okay, so season two, episode 17, you predicted Giles will never be interrogated by police. 
And I just, I wanted to highlight that. Um, Cause so far your prediction is remaining true. This is one of the ones we just have to keep open cause it's a never. Uh, but Giles comes into the hospital with a massive wound from a medieval night. And there are no cops by his bedside. We know he could just leave the hospital causing tons of paperwork for everybody. Travis, if someone comes in with a spear wound, uh, do you contact the police? Um, that's a, I imagine if you, if you went through the ER, they might, I mean, they don't, you don't necessarily call the police, um, for illegal activity. You're not the police. Right. Um, if someone comes in with a gunshot wounds, do you automatically call the police? I don't know. I don't know if the ER does that. Okay. I, I've never had to call the police on anyone. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe more realistic than we think. Okay. Season five, episode nine, uh, Michael predicted that the exact cold drinks machine will return, which it has not yet. (laughs) (laughs) However, Dennis. Oh, uh, well, last week um, we had a a visit from two different vending machines that were not the exact cold drinks machine. Okay, so that one stays open. It was was just mocking us. Okay. (laughs) it It continues to stay open. Season five, episode 13, we learned Glory can use Dawn as the key without killing Dawn, which I believe we've learned this episode is not the case, or at least according to, to glory at this point seems to be not the case. Uh, Dennis, what do you think? How do you want to rule on this one? Um, well, uh, we know from the very end that Giles declares kill Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and glory seems very, is very specifically saying like, this is both of our last days as humans. Right. Um, so go ahead so, and, uh, deny that one. Although like the, cause the phrasing is can use, and we don't right. know how the specifics yet of this. Okay. The mechanics of this. So we'll leave this one open in that case. Travis, Which, what do you think? We'll just leave it open. All right. Which leaves us with uh, no confirmed or denied positions for this episode, um, thus leaving everything uh, where it is um, with an overall score of 64.6 and a season score of 65.96. They're getting closer together. They are. Will they merge? Yes. Regression to the mean, I suppose. All right. I have new predictions because I'm a fool. Because we make you. Dawn has yet to achieve her final form. This is it. <laughs> final form. <laughs> I don't know what her final form is, but she's yet to achieve it. Dawn's saying level four. Uh, I, we need a glimpse of this otherworldliness from Dawn. So I'd like to see that going in my predictions. Predictions too. What's in this box? That warlock's box. I think there's a mirror in that box. And I think there's a mirror in that box. I'm just, that's the prediction. This is just speculation. I think a mirror in the box because a mirror is an amazing magical trick that can be used to create doubles of someone. And if I was going to separate Glory and Ben, I think by either smashing a mirror or making one of them look in a mirror, whatever it takes, that would create and destroy the other one, right? Because maybe you could get Ben to look in, this is just speculation. You could get uh, Glory to look in a mirror, smash it, kills her, bends, you know, reverts into her body. I don't know. Um, I think that Warlock, third prediction, combined Glory and Ben. 
he is responsible. He's some kind of minion. He mentioned his worship of Glorificus. He did something way back. He combined them. Maybe we'll hear a little bit about it. Maybe not. I'm hoping we do. <laughs> uh, also, Glory and Ben are going to split into two separate people whenever what's in the Warlock's box gets destroyed. I said Warlock's box. Let me just say whatever. When, whatever. And I, I should say gets used or destroyed. I just want to say used, right? Whatever is in the Warlock's box is the thing that's going to split Glory and Ben. Gets used. And then uh, my super, because uh, I didn't get any points for this. I think Buffy and Joyce together in a scene in another episode. We need this. I need this. Uh, Buffy and Joyce, maybe even give each other a hug. Say it's going to be all right. One of those. But just saying Buffy, Joyce together in the scene. Of course, we need some kind of um, Summer's family reunion, even if but briefly, so that Joyce can tell Buffy it's okay to take care of Dawn or it's okay to move on. Whatever it is, this scene's going to happen. Probably in another dimension or a dream world. But when we, once we get into this dimensional shit, isn't death just another dimension? Probably. Probably mom is in this dimension. <laughs> Mike, this, of, this, this prediction is going on for too long. You need okay. to... Okay. This is like a... <laughs> okay, Buffy and Joyce together in a scene in another episode. Very good. I like your storytelling, Mike. It's just <laughs> speculative storytelling. I do it to annoy Travis. Do you want to make any prediction regarding the phrase that was um, uttered many times this episode called death is a gift? Your gift is death. What do you want to do a prediction on that or no? Sounds like I do. <laughs> well, they only said they only said it like, like a bunch of times. Those, right? <laughs> a, oh, your prediction is people will be afraid to get gifts from Buffy. <laughs> Which yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, you know, if Buffy literally dies, then that's a gift to everyone else because they don't have to do any of this shit. They only have to be involved in the, you know, this Slayer combat and all this, you know, life-threatening action because they're her friend. So Buffy's okay. death would be a gift. But like what will literally happen with that phrase? They will say that phrase again. They can't help themselves. They will literally say the phrase. Ooh, that's a good prediction. <laughs> that's an easy really point. I feel like you're really trying to stack things for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to hear that phrase. Death is a gift in the next episode. Uh, death is your gift, Buffy. But, I mean, what does You'll it mean? Feel you will hear the phrase, death is your gift, Buffy. I mean, it's ambiguous oracle shit. They could do whatever they want with it. I can't predict what they're going to do with this. All right, I was just I was just asking because they said it a bunch of times. All right, I'm That's recording it. Death is your gift. We'll be heard again in the next episode. All right, can we just sorry? Just the phrase was "death is your gift." Yes. Just to just to like not be an asshole and be like, uh, they they did not say death is a gift. <laughs> <laughs> death is your gift. Uh, well, uh, I love all four, all three of you guys. Oh, um, I love you too. Love you too. In your present forms. In your present forms. I don't know about baby forms, uh, but uh, I have been your host, Dennis St. John. Um, I worked on Snoopy in Space, which is on Apple TV Plus right now. Uh, and I have mini comics and collections and a graphic novel. And you can find all that shit on DennisComics.com. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. And that's also my Twitter and my Instagram. 
Um, and uh, is anyone else working on anything they want to share? All right. Well, then, thank you, one and all, for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Uh, you can visit our website, BuffyVirgin.com, for links to blog, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're on Twitter and Instagram, sometimes celebrities like our pictures. Um, (laughs) uh, Reach out. We love to hear from you. Please mash that button of rating and reviewing us. Uh, We need more raters, reviewers. Um, uh, And think and listen to us on the podcast listener of your choice. And we'll see you in hell. (laughs) 